Hey, it's Sharon, and if you ever wanted to get a peek behind a social media wizard's business, today is your lucky day because I sit down with my friend, Jason Capital, who breaks down exactly how he builds his empire from creating content, enormous amounts of content by positioning the right messages on the right platforms, and most importantly, listen to this, most importantly, on how to sell without selling. Say it again on how to sell without selling. You better grab your notebook for this one because Jason and I go into some extreme tactics and you're going to love this episode with my friend, Jason Capital. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this. Where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to. How to grow your business. How to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Trivata, and welcome to Business School. So Jason, one of the things that we talk about often, which you taught me, was this idea of one arrow, not 10. We actually recorded like an entire episode on it. And I'll tell you, the simplicity of that has me going every time. Every time I write an email, I'm like, I don't need four paragraphs. <laughs> every time I'm on stage, I'm like, I don't need 18 slides. And where did you pick that up? How did that kind of come about for you? Because I've seen over the years, you've gotten tighter and tighter with your messaging on this. I'd love for you to like unpack this one error, not 10, and maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So three years ago, I was doing a mastermind with all my members. We were in LA. One of my members had started doing really well. His name is Anton. And Anton was 25 or 26 and was making like 30 to $40,000 a month, like take home each month, which is great. You're 25, 26, very happy. And he was one of our top students in the group. And he goes, Jason, now that you know I'm here, what's like the next thing I need to work on? Like, what, where do I need to go from here? And I told him, I go, dude, I've seen your ads, your offers, your marketing and stuff. And I go, I just made some shit up. I was like, one arrow, not 10. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, when you share your message, you use 10 arrows to hit the bullseye right now. You need to get so good that you only need one arrow and you can hit the bullseye every time. And he was like, oh, I get it. And his thing was when I would watch his ads, Facebook ads, videos and stuff, is there's just so much fluff. There's a lot of rambling all over the place. And, you know, Sharon, if you look at Wistia videos or, you know, watch rates on YouTube or anything, you can always see, we always see the same trend where it just starts to go down immediately when someone watches the video. And then it it just, it's a downward curve all the way to the end. And you end up with 15 to 30% of people who actually watch the whole video. And if, if you go back and you look at, well, where are the biggest drop-off points? Um, it's usually like, well, one, why do people drop off? It's because you've lost their interest. And why have you lost their interest? Because you're rambling. You're talking yeah. about something that isn't relevant to them. And the minute it's not relevant to them, they're, they're out. They have 80 million other options uh, and other competitors vying for their attention in addition to you. And so how can you say what you need to say in one arrow and not 10? Because... Uh, it's like there's this, this Dean Jackson talks about this New York Times article and the headline was the tyranny of convenience and how we as a society, we keep making innovations in convenience. And every time we make a new innovation in convenience, we never will never go back to the old way. It was at first, you know, we would call for a taxi and then they came up with Uber and now you press a button on your phone and a car appears. That's more convenient than calling and waiting for a taxi. That's why no one gets taxes anymore. We won't go back to it because it's more convenient. And I, 
because of that, people just, they prioritize convenience. And if your messaging is inconvenient in any way, they're out. And what I mean by that isn't like an inconvenient truth like Alcor. I don't mean that it's inconvenient <laughs> that way. I mean, it's inconvenient as in you make them wait or you leave them bored uh, or you yeah. leave them uninterested. That's inconvenient or friction in some way. And if that happens, they're out. And so all the rambling, all the fluff, uh, it's all inconvenient to the, the viewer and they're going to be out. And so getting really tight with your message, being able to hit in one arrow, not 10 is, uh, it's huge. And dude, it's, you know, I'm like a lifelong student. I kind of everything. I'm always working on it myself. Um, if you watch, you know, don't watch the media, but I was going to say, if you watch the media, they're really good at getting a message in a very short, yeah, yeah. condensed, like one arrow, because, you know, they, I mean, they have really, really good writers who are writing that stuff for them. But that's a, it's a good example. There's, all, there's, you know, and think of it like Jerry Seinfeld with his skits and how, you know, he'll, he'll work on one joke for like three years before he tells it because yeah. at first it's 10 arrows to get the point across. Three years later, it's one arrow. You know, it's interesting because um, I don't know why people think that they're like, well, you're Jason Kappel. You write a lot. It's easy for you. And, and I, I tell people that... Even today, like when I write an email to investors or I'm writing an email to the entire company, I'll write a draft and I'll send it to my partner. And I think it's totally okay to, in fact, I think it's a requirement if you're a writer or if you're a thinker or a creator, we should work in drafts. You're not going to be able to produce something perfect every single time, especially if it's of insane importance. And so people have no idea how many drafts, like I've been saying, like you and I, when we write stuff, I'm like, hey, can you look at this? Like we, we, do, we go through a lot of drafts. What are your thoughts around when you write something? Do you, like, do you actually see, hey, I've got seven arrows in here. I can actually reduce these. Or how do you think about kind of the draft uh, refinement process? Yeah, so I think that uh, the best messages are rewritten, not written. Right, and mm. so are the best speeches. That's, that's, awesome. an old Dale, that's an old Dale Carnegie line where he would say the best speeches are they're rewritten, not written. And I think messages are the exact same way. Uh, I edit stuff a lot. I will, a lot of times I'll say it out loud after I write it and yeah. I, can, I can hear fluff. You know, I can hear <laughs> bullshit or friction or whiskers and I try and get rid of it. I, I also think about um, John Keats a little bit. I call it the Keats trick in my brain. John Keats was this poet and I don't know anything about poetry. So I don't want anyone to think I'm like a very well-versed <laughs> individual. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but I do know that he, he wrote some of the longest poems of all time. And what he found was that if he, his trick was he just had to keep writing and writing and writing because the good stuff would come out after the bad stuff. So yeah. he was like, I can't, I can't stop writing because if I stop writing, I won't get the good stuff. So he's just like, I'm going to write and write and write. And then some of it just comes out, just happens to be better because I'm momentum and I'm more warm. And so I, when I'm speaking or when I'm writing, I, I always think about that, that I want to just keep working on and getting it out and getting it out because somewhere in there, the one arrow is going to appear and then it's my job to identify it and remove everything else. Yeah. Do you believe that um, there's a lot of schools of thought on social media, especially right now, where you say uh, volume is better than kind of trying to get your perfect post out? What are your thoughts around? Because uh, because you literally, dude, you you own you own the social sphere. It is like I can go nowhere without just like and your team. Like I am I am on all kinds of Jason Capital retargeting. It is so good, and I I look and I look and read and listen to everything you put out because. One, it's context for me because I know that, hey, one, I learned from you. Two, when you and I chat, I'm like, hey, how do we build on that? But take this one error, not 10 concept. How do you think about kind of creating material or content for social media? Do you believe that there is a 
you put more out and you'll figure out a path? Do you believe that they got to edit before you put it out? Where do you fall on that spectrum? I, I just, I just finished, uh, the Bill Gates biography, which I never read before. And he was like famous for the term vaporware, right? Which is where he puts out a product that's not basically created or, or good. And he lets the marketplace tell him what sucks and they go back and they fix it. And I, I kind of think about our content the same way where I'm just like, let's just put everything out there and they'll tell us what they like. And then we'll just do more of that. So to me, it is a volume game. Like right now, dude, we're posting 10 times a day on TikTok, um, so good. which is, which is a ton of volume. I look at it as like very, very cheap digital real estate. And I want to yeah. buy up as much of it as I can. So that's why we're doing 10 times a day there. But to me, it's totally volume. There's no such thing as a perfect post. If there is, I'd love to see it because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, let's just put as much as we can out there because all the algorithms, they reward, they reward new anyways, right? So like, even if you had the perfect post on Sunday, you still got to post another perfect post somehow on Monday and it's probably not going to happen, right? So to me, it's just about like, get the posts and like get your 10,000 posts in there. Yeah. And I promise you after 10,000, you're going to be pretty good at knowing what your audience likes and what they don't like. You know, it's, it's so good. I, I love the, um, the, uh, the algorithm rewards new. Like that's, that's a really good one, right? Um, the, the, the one thing that you talk a lot about is kind of this development of these skills. And I want to go a little bit into that because people think that when they think content creation, I don't know why they instantly go to uh, skills that don't matter. <laughs> They're like, okay, okay, well, I don't have someone to edit this video. This post doesn't look good. It's, it's all about the, it's the, 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 the peripheral mechanics of the post. And they are saying, well, that is, that is kind of uh, put up on this pedestal as a skill of content creation, which is crazy. And it's not a income or a high income skill at all. So um, when, when someone tells you, Hey, I, I can't get this out because I don't have the ability to you know, get a videographer, get it edited, get it that, that compared to like the high income skills. When, when someone tells you that they're not getting stuff out because of these, you know, kind of mechanical skills, what do you, how do you, how do you kind of coach them out of that place? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I usually just tell them that like, Hey, if you're afraid, then just tell me you're afraid, but don't lie to me. Yeah. Right. And, and that's really the truth. I think that, uh, if someone is like, well, I don't have the right phone, my video yeah. sucks or it takes too long to upload, or I don't know, should I post to all of them? So I didn't post to any of them or, yeah. or that kind of stuff. The audio is not good. They're all just excuses because you're afraid most likely of what your friends and family are going to think when they see this content. Um, and so once I tell them that, I'm like, just, just post it, yeah. right? And understand that everyone sucks. And it's really <laughs> helpful once you realize ev everyone sucks when they start, right? And so the idea is you're going to suck. So it's like, there's no expectations. It's not going to be good anyways. Like your mom is going to think you're trying to be someone you're not. Your dad is going to tell you you should have stayed in school. And your friends are going to tell you that you are lying and you're trying to look cooler than you are. Great. So now that you know all those things are going to happen, um, let's just post, right? Let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just do it, right? It's going to like, so if you post, those are the things that are going to happen. Those are the bad things. If you don't post, you're going to get stuck watching your competitors rise in the industry while you sit and comment and criticize and grow more and more resentful of yourself for not doing what you wanted to do or living up to your potential. So you're either going to be really, really resentful of yourself and others, or your mom and dad are going to make a few snide comments and then your life's going to go on and you're going to build a great business. Like yeah. 
which one sounds better to you? Right. Yeah. So let's let's just suck and let's post and, and just under like once I think once people understand that you're just gonna suck at the beginning, that you just start posting and sucking and posting and sucking, and eventually you don't totally suck. And that's the point where people actually start like commenting and liking yeah. and engaging. Um there's this model, I don't know, Sean, if you've ever seen it before, where it's like a it's like a you and it's like the five stages of emotional behavioral change. Have you ever seen this one? No. Where it starts so the first stage is is uh, uninformed optimism. Oh, so yeah. I'm if you know what I'm talking about, so yes. I'm really excited, right? Uh, I'm really excited. This is going to be great because I don't know how hard it actually is. The next <laughs> stage is informed pessimism. Oh shit, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. I don't know if I can do this. Third phase is the valley of despair. There, I can't do this. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. There's no way it's going to work. I'm out. You keep going after that, then you get to informed optimism. You go, oh, this is really hard, but I can actually make progress on this. I can kaizen. I can get better. This is great. Fifth stage, if you keep going, is success. Problem is, most people they go through those first three phases in a circle. They just keep uh, going. So it's yeah. informed optimism. Oh, this is going to be great. Uninformed or informed pessimism. Shit, this is way harder. I don't know if I can do it. Valley of despair. I can't do it. I give up. And then they go back and they get another shiny object. Yeah. And now they have informed optimism again. And they spend their entire lives cycling through those things, never making any progress. And it's like, if you can just, if you knew that on the other side of the valley of despair was success, you wouldn't continue to give up. And yeah. so I think people just get a clear picture of the map, then uh, they feel like they have more control and they actually they'll, they'll take the actions that they need to. You, you, this is so crazy. So I got to tell you the story. Um, you taught me this and you said, hey, you've got all this B-roll. Um, go ahead and tell your editor to take this B-roll. I record a really great message on top of it so that people see the see you live on stage or wherever, but you have a great message on top of the B-roll and, and post that. And that became the video. So I, I did a whole series of those on my Instagram. People can go watch it. I'll link it below. But the crazy part is I was talking to my mastermind group. And they're like, oh yeah. And I'm telling them the story. They're like, well, yeah, of course, you know, you talk to Jason, Jason told you that you executed because you have the team. And I told them, well, here's what you don't understand. I go into my Instagram, I click insights. I screenshot the insights of that post. And then the next post was a throwback Thursday post of me two years old. That's, it had nothing on it. It was a black and white photo. There was nothing on it. But I wrote like, seven ways, like some kind of caption where I, I wrote like a story about, hey, seven ways to get out of being in a funk or something like that. It was like 7X better engagement on that post. So I was trying to tell people, yeah, I had this. Yeah, Jason taught me this. I did it. It was good. But please understand that what you're saying that you can't do is what I did. But my TBT post with me of a picture of two years old with a <laughs> caption that you could have written got like seven times more engagement and silence in the room, right? Like silence. Yep. Um, which, which, which takes me to my next question, which is you give people a roadmap often, especially your members, your clients, your students, and you say, listen, uh, if you're not focused on generating and creating one of these skills for yourself, as in high-income skills, we call them, create a baseline for those, then you're kind of playing with the shiny objects. Um, how did you kind of happen upon, first, what are they? What are these skills that, that are, are high-income skills? And how did you happen upon them and kind of codify these so that you can, you can teach those? The high-income skills that I talk about, the big three, are copy, closing, speaking, copy, like copy writing, like the words you use to persuade, to motivate, to sell, closing, the ability to convert prospect to customer, and then speaking, right, uh, the ability to communicate your message on video or in person or in a conversation. Those are the big three high-income skills. There are more for the people out there who are like, <laughs> well, what about this? And what about, yes, networking and negotiation and 
coding. They're all hot. Yes. They're just the big three copy closing speaking to me because uh, I feel like if someone is proficient at even just one of those, they will not go hungry. You'll be able to sell, you'll be able to create an income for yourself in the digital economy that we live in today. Uh, the way I happened upon them, dude, is uh, I'm just, I'm not blind, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like I'm not blind. And if I look at, I looked at all the people when I, this is when I was even 20 years old and I'm at Michigan State University and I'm trying to figure out how do I build an income for myself that doesn't rely on having a boss or a job. And I looked at the people I knew who were making money on the internet, Craig Ballantyne, Pedro's Koolian, Joel Marion, people like that. And I was like, what do they all have in common? The hell could sell and speak and write their ass off. That was it. And I was like, I'm just going to get good at those skills. And I bet <laughs> you I'll make money too. And, and that was literally, that was it. It was probably Joel the most who just beat copy into my head so much because he was so much about it. Uh, and, and, and really like th there's nothing else to it other than that. It's just copy. Cause to me, there's like, there's so many opportunity vehicles that are offered to the business opportunity crowd today. You can mm -hmm. do Forex or penny stocks or Shopify or social media boss or become a closer. Like there's all these different vehicles people can drive to achieve their 10 K a month from home dream or whatever right. it is. And they're all fine and they all can work, but none of them will work if the person doesn't have the skills that we're talking about here. So I was like, what is the thing I can teach that will really allow people to succeed no matter what vehicle they choose? And to me, it's, it's, it's copy closing speaking. And the one thing that people don't realize also is that there's a cadence of those, right? Especially like you and I, you and I really align on the daily emails. People will tell me often and they say, well, you can't be in people's inboxes every day. They don't realize that you, you condition them to wanting to have you in their inbox every single day. There was, there was a couple of days when like I missed. So I had, um, I scheduled it. Normally I schedule my emails for, you know, kind of like 7am Pacific time. I, by mistake, scheduled it for 7 p.m. one day. And I got hundreds of emails saying, did you take me off the list? What happened? Because I, by mistake, they didn't get their morning email. And, but people don't realize, they're like, well, you can write email. I was like, you don't realize. I've written two, 3,000 emails, like thousands. I, yes, I can bang anything out because that forms in your head. But there's a cadence of like the, the, the development of the skill. Like you said, there's Kaizen, there's Kaizen to it. There, it's not like, you know how to write copy. So it's done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that doesn't work. Uh, how much, like just say, let's take writing for just a second before I, I want to go deeper on one thing. How much, like, what is your writing practice? Do you write daily? How do you, how do you kind of devote time to writing? Do you just write? Do you think and write? Do you actually talk and write? What is your kind of mechanics for getting words on paper? Yeah. So I, uh, first of all, your emails are great. Like they are. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. Yeah. I, but that said, I don't know what they were like when you first started. Right. And I, my, my guess is they weren't what they are today. Oh um, no. Yeah. And it's, so we all get better and we all, again, we all suck when we start. I just, I, if, if there's one thing people get from this, it's that you suck and it's okay. Like that, that's a real, I hope everyone gets that. Um, for me, Sharon, when I first met you, I was wrapping up my dating business. I like, yeah. just finished it, right? But before that, the previous five years, I had built a very successful uh, dating advice business for men that was based entirely on a daily email that went out. And it started in late 2012. And everyone in my industry would send these emails where it was just pitch, pitch, pitch every day. I'm going to sell this affiliate offer, sell that affiliate offer. And I was like, I bet if I like write a product every day and I give it away for free, this is going to create some noise and, and I'll stand out like a sore thumb. And, and so the emails I'd write in dating 
became like two to 3,000 words a day. Wow. These were like incredible, these are products that yeah. were they get people were getting for free in emails. There were sub headlines, they were formatted. Like there was, it was like a sales letter every day, but it was content. And I did that for five years. I don't know how many letters I wrote uh, or emails I wrote in total, but uh, I had them printed out once and they filled an entire closet, like stacked. And we still had tons more boxes of just these giant oh, like binders wow. filled with the, the printed emails. My point was there was a cadence. The cadence was daily and it was Sundays included. I would just write that daily email first thing every morning. Um, and so that's how I got good at writing. That, it was that. Like, yeah. absolutely. And the best part about it was when I wrote those, there's always a call to action in those emails. Like I would never send an email without a call to action. That would just be selfish for me. That would be rude. I wouldn't <laughs> do that to the reader. Uh, but I could send out the email and then in the first three to three hours, I could check ClickBank and I could see how well the email did. Right. And so there was an instant feedback loop from my writing to how much money it made. And so every day I could course correct more of this, less of that. And so the writing got tighter and tighter. If someone is a copywriter who writes for clients, you don't have a daily feedback loop from copy to sale. You may give them a VSL or a webinar. They won't test it for a month and then you won't get stats back for another month. So you wrote it in January, but you don't even know how well it did until March. And so you don't know from January to March if all the stuff you're doing is optimal or not. Yeah. Right? So there's this huge advantage to a daily email where you sell or a daily something where you sell because you get instant feedback on what the marketplace likes uh, and what they don't. Today at this point, to be perfectly honest, Ron, I don't even write anymore. And uh, like I've written a couple books uh, in the last year and uh, for the writing like that, like that was, I don't know, it's pretty easy for, but what I like to do is just speak. I yeah. very much like to speak. And if there's one skill I can do to work on more and more, it is speaking because it just, it's such a time saver, dude. Like yeah. if I can, if I can get a message out that's, that's powerful and effective and does the job and I can get it out in like, like five minutes right? Instead of writing it for an hour, well, now I have an extra 55 minutes that I can allocate to something else, right? So I think, I think the skill of speaking is so important. I remember years ago, someone told me, uh, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I, just, I believe it's true because it, it motivates me, is that they said, Jay Abraham gets $100,000 to write a sales letter for a client, right? And this was, I don't know, five years ago or something. And I was like, like to me back then, I'm like, that is insane. Yeah. 100 grand, right? And they go, yeah. And he doesn't even write it. What are you talking about? He doesn't write it. Here's what he does. He walks in circles around his office and he speaks the whole sales letter from top to bottom, recorded, and then it's transcribed and copy editor just finishes it up and the sales letter is done. He'll write the $100,000 sales letter in less than an hour, just speaking it, the whole thing. It's like just giving a speech. That's it. Yeah. And I was like, that's one, that's incredible. But two, I want that skill. Right. Because for every other copywriter who gets a hundred grand, it takes him three weeks of research yeah. to get that done. He could get like, he get it done in an hour, right? Yeah. And there's no reason I can't learn how to do the same thing, whether it's a sales letter, whether it's a speech, whether it's an Instagram video, whatever it is, like how, how else would I be able to post 10 times a day on TikTok if I hadn't continued to Kaizen the skill of speaking, right? right? It's, just, it's just not possible in terms of volume or breath. So I... Hopefully, hopefully that answers the question. No, it's, it's so good because um, I'll, I'll tell you tactically what I've been doing, which is I have been waking up really early. When, as you know, I'm, I'm an early riser and I, I've been uh, trying to force myself to, to not force myself. I enjoy these, these walks. I, I just walk by myself and it's kind of, uh, I call it the with, by yourself with yourself, right? So there is, it's by yourself. So I don't have a podcast or anything on. I'm by myself, but I'm also with myself. So I'm not, I don't have anyone else in my ear. And what I do now is I just have the rev.com app 
which is just a transcribing app. And I literally talk into this app. And when I'm done and I get home, there's a transcribed version of whatever I talk. So like, like you always, you told me you can, if you got copy speaking and closing, I nailed with the speaking, I've nailed two out of the three instantly. So now I actually have uh, whatever I talked about in written form. I can just give it to, you know, Isaac Lara or someone like that to clean it up and my stuff's done. And even for me, I can copy paste that into a caption of an Instagram post instantly, which has been super powerful. But I've realized that uh, one, the other thing also a lot of people don't realize is as, as the world, like you said, one error, not 10, as the world's gotten tighter in how they listen to stuff, they are a lot more forgiving to conversational writing than they are to formal writing. So when you speak, it's very hard to speak in a, well, I'm going to certify. You don't say like weird, you don't, you don't speak the way you write. So now actually, I actually think speaking, you write better. You write gooder or whatever, yeah. right? You write yes. better. And so yes. now it becomes a lot more conversational. So when someone's reading it, they almost have you in their ear, which is very, very cool. Yeah, um, and that's, that's copy, right? Copy is write like you talk. That's like the whole rule is write like you talk and copy. And you're exactly right with social media. That's, that's how the majority audience of social media wants to consume content in such a way where it doesn't sound formal. It doesn't sound forced. It doesn't sound polished or inauthentic. It's just, you're just being fucking real and you're just talking. Like that's what they want. <laughs> Yeah. With the social media stuff, you spend, you know, you have several kind of uh, coaching training programs on social media, uh, writing, copy, in all, all the three high income skills. But something is super fascinating over the last few years, you've found, like I've seen that you've taken, while everybody has ramped up their sales, and here's the interesting part. Um, when, when people sell us on TV, between you watch a episode of Friends and for 22 minutes and then they sell you for advertisements for eight minutes. We don't get mad at that. On radio, there's more ads on radio than there is radio even when you're in the car, even in you know, Sirius FM, whatever. We don't get mad about that. We open a newspaper or a magazine and we see advertisements all over. We don't get mad about that. But we get mad when ads are in our social feed. I, that, that I don't understand, right? Like we, That just fascinates me that, that we get mad about that stuff. But you've taken a completely different turn to like, hey, quote, selling on social. And you've kind of like turned it on its head where you're like, maybe I don't sell in public anymore. And when, when, when you first introduced me to that, I was like, wait, he's right. Like I haven't seen a funnel or a pitch or a go buy this for I don't know how long. And I actually think, Jason, that that is directly correlated to all your kind of audience and engagement growth because people don't feel like you're going to shove something down their throat. So what was the change in kind of the selling, sharing, pitching philosophy? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, I was with Taki Moore and Taki said one of his principles in marketing was given public, ask in private. And I was like, that it makes perfect sense. But how do you possibly do that? because you need funnels or webinars or stuff. And that stuff is public. Like how, how could you not do that? And um, what I realized is, well, if I'm posting all this content, but there's nowhere on the internet, there's no evidence of Jason Capital selling publicly, right? So it's just give, give, give. Like it looks very, so awesome. it, looks, it looks like that. I, then I'm like the, the benevolent, you know, king who just yeah. the, the, the life giving king who just gives and gives and gives and gives. 
and never asks in public. And that's a really, really, really good position to have in the marketplace. And all I needed to do was just figure out a way where I could convert uh, people in private, right? And I think about like Tony Robbins, right? And as far as coaches go, Tony Robbins makes more money than I think any coach on the planet. I'm sure there's some secret one we don't know who's just amazing, but uh, Tony Robbins is pretty much the wealthiest coach there is. And Tony never sells in public either. He just gives and he gives and he gives. How does he do that? Because he has a massive phone center or multiple ones across the country where he has his salespeople on the phone who are selling one-to-one behind the scenes. So he's just giving and giving and giving and that's all his lead gen. And then they get you on an intake form with a phone call and a strategy session with a coach. And that happens privately. So to the public, he's just giving and giving and giving. But secretly behind the scenes, there's a ton of money being made, but it's all happening in a one-on-one atmosphere. Right. Everyone in marketing, they have sales pages and, and things like that, webinar funnels, and all that stuff just smells uh, scammy. Right. It just, it just does. There's no other way around it. It works and it makes money, and I get it. Um, and I have them. They're out there. I know you can't Google them, Sean, but they're out there. The sales pages and webinars, like we use them because they, they work and they're great. But on social media, I don't send traffic to them. I don't promote them. I just want to, uh, to give. So we, we do the same thing. Um, whether it's driving leads to phone calls or leads to just private conversations over email or text or whatever it is. But we always, we do it one-on-one, right? My whole thing is like, I think a lot about Dean Jackson's like 85, 15 rule where he says, do you know the, you know, I'm talking about where he's, he, he is some study he quotes. Oh, the, uh, the, the bundle of leads study. Yeah. The hundred, the hundred leads, right? Yeah. Where at any given time, um, hundred people in your marketplace, 50 of them will not buy from you. They will not buy from your competitors. Don't even worry about them. Of the remaining 50, Seven and a half of them will buy right now and 42.5 of them will buy between 90 days and 18 months, right? And so that means out of every hundred, there's seven to eight, let's say people who would buy from you today if the environment and the whole thing went right. So my goal is, well, let's just give and give and give and then let those seven or eight people raise their hand for us today and then we'll talk to them privately and we'll just sign them up today. And we'll just keep doing that every day. So every day, I just want to go out there and say, who, who, where are my seven or eight out of every 100? Where are you guys? Yep, hit me up and, and let's do this privately. And so it's just, it's just doing that each day. And um, that way you're not selling the other 92 people who don't want to be sold today. So you maintain right. a great relationship with them. And those who do want to buy, um, you're not frustrating them because you're there to, to take their money and give them more value in return. So, so let's talk about this mechanically, right? So um, if I am... Say I'm a consultant or a coach or a copywriter or what, you know, and I'm a, I am selling or I am, my, my services and my expertise are for hire. Well, let's say that. How do I just, how, how, like on an Instagram platform, how do I give and then in public, but how do I, what, me, what mechanics can I use to actually quote sell or, or, or qualify in private? Yeah. So I always start with the call to action, kind of working backwards and then go forwards to what, whatever the content's going to be. And I think every call to action to get people to raise their hand needs to have a big idea. The same way a, a sales campaign or a promotion needs to have a big idea. I see this a lot of people who do like cold outreach to try and get clients. Their cold outreach is just, hello, Mrs. Mrs. Madame, whatever. I do this. I help these people solve this problem. I noticed you did this poorly on your website. I'm the expert in that. I'd love to help you fix it. If you're up for a 10 minute chat, et cetera, feel free to pick a time. A or B option, whatever the hell they do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how so much of this cold outreach goes. And it has an incredibly low uh, response rate and conversion rate because it's got no big idea. It's uh-huh. super boring and it sounds like everyone else. So I want everyone's call to actions to be injected with the big idea. So an example would be, let's say you post your, uh, let's say you're a copywriter, you're looking for clients. 
So you make a post about the uh, the the worst, the three worst subject lines of all time, right? Never do these three things in your subject lines. And then you give and you give and you give. And at the end, you say, hey, by the way, um, I recently, uh, I recently, I don't want to say fired, but I recently ended a relationship with one of my clients, um, frankly, because we had a campaign I wrote for them that was making a bunch of money, but they actually turned it off because they couldn't manage their own business. And so they couldn't handle the customers. And so I have room now for one more wow. client. Um, and normally my fees would be up here, but with this next client, I want to get a really good result and then be able to add it to my portfolio. So there's going to be a big, big discount on this one. So if you want to be my next client as part of this kind of case study or this, this portfolio generating activity I'm doing, um, just message me this word and then I'll get to you all the details and we'll see if we're a fit. Right? So now, uh, there's a big idea. Oh, this is great. I'm gonna get a discount. I'm gonna get a deal because and he wants to make sure I get a great result for his portfolio. And there's urgency. There's all this other stuff in it. And the most important part, I think, is also making it easy for prospects to say yes. And I think a lot of people create friction unknowingly. So the simple one that an example we just gave is like you tell them what word to send, right? Because literally there are people who would want to message you but won't message you because you didn't tell them what word to say. They don't know. Do I do I say hello? Do I introduce myself? Do I yeah. just do I ask them how it works? Like, what should I say? And because they don't know what to say, it's hard for them to respond. So they just, they won't. So everything with our stuff is how can we make it as easy as possible for prospects to respond? Because if it's just the rule of marketing, especially online, the lower the friction, the higher the response rate. Yeah. I, you know, and I think a lot of folks, especially traditional sales, and I, I really hope if that's you, you're listening is I see, call it the real estate agent, the insurance broker, uh, the mortgage broker, et cetera everything from uh, flyers to bus benches will put their big phone number and say, call me. And, and people don't realize that even educated people like in you and I will say something like, like, what do I say? I call and say, well, oh, hi, Jason, I was stalking you. Like, it's weird. Like, what do you say? Like, hi, Jason, I saw your, uh, I saw your number on a bus bench. That's weird. Like, that's weird to say. <laughs> even I don't want to say that, right? It's, it and, sounds like like you're doing something wrong or something. Yeah, totally. And, and since they yeah. don't want to say that, they don't want to put themselves in a situation that is like that. So I always tell people, hey, listen, um, always think about it when, if it's, if it's uncomfortable for you and uncomfortable for them, then you probably shouldn't do it. Like you cold call somebody, it's uncomfortable for you and it's uncomfortable for them to listen, receive the call too. Like you should not do that. That makes no sense whatsoever. The only two situations are, if it's uncomfortable for you, but comfortable for them, hey, I'm okay with that. That You need to get over it. But let's find a way where you can say, hey, I have this case study. I got one room open. I won't do this discount. It's comfortable for you to say this because you feel integrity. Hey, if this is of interest, message me the word tiger because I love you, you, you do it with the, <laughs> with the picture of the tiger. Message yep. me the word tiger below. I'll get you all the details. Now, I'm comfortable doing it and others are not. But, but the question, Jason, is how do you do it in a platform that, is not conducive to like a, either a quick message or so like, how do you do it on email or maybe on like a TikTok where you can't direct message? How do you do it on a platform which doesn't easily allow for like a quick direct message? So to me, email definitely allows for a quick reply. I think that's oh, yeah. all you do yeah. in email is just, hey, hit, hit reply and just put this word and then my team will take it from there. That's another part also is telling them like, so you're gonna tell them a word to message you or just say this you know, call this number and just say this or something like that is tell them what happens after they do that also. Because uh, yeah. it takes away that fear as well. I always, I always use the example of imagine you're walking down a busy street in New York City pre-COVID and there's a guy in the street and he's like a street performer and he's like, hey, 
I got a box here. Put your hand in the box. And you're like, I'm not putting my hand in that box. <laughs> right. And he's, he's like, no, no, trust me. It's cool. And he opens the box and he shows you there's a Snickers bar inside. That's it. Yeah. And he closes it. He's like, put your hand in the box. And you're like, this is weird, but I like Snickers. So, okay, I'm in. So you do it and you get Snickers, right? And everything's cool. Well, you as a marketer, when you're like, just hit reply and let me know, you're basically saying, hey, put your hand in this box because uh -huh. you don't know what's going to happen after your hand is in the box or after you hit reply. So just what we literally say is just do this and we'll get you all the details. That's yeah. all you have to say. But it make, to me, it makes a really, really big difference. To answer your question though, like on TikTok, right? TikTok DM sucks. Uh, we've done a lot of experimentation with it. It's awful. It sucks. So what we do, at least for now on TikTok, is we send them to many chat. So we can talk to them on Facebook Messenger is what we Got it. Yeah. So you're, you're saying, hey, listen, um, regardless of the platform, create a non or a very low friction way of them engaging in a conversation. Yeah, that's it. I just want conversations. Like you've heard a million people say con conversions happen yeah. in conversations. Yeah. And it's really, it's like the more conversations you are having, the more money your firm or your company is going to make, period. You know, a really good, really good metric, like a lead measure to look at in your business is how many conversations do we have today? because it's a really good indicator of how well you're doing or not. And the whole goal of marketing is to generate conversations because those conversations will lead to sales. So this is, this is fascinating because, um, so now we have this, you know, giving, giving content-based play. And then you, we have this time when you're actually kind of making a, a call to action or a case study or something like that. Is there any uh, kind of, golden ratio for how you content versus a call to action? How does that, how do you think about that? Um, there, yeah. I mean, everyone wants the, the golden ratio and the, here's the commandments, right? I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I always, I can like, I can tell it's like a gut feeling, you know, when you're asking too often or too much, yeah. right? It's like, do you remember, I don't know who said it, but I think it was someone on the Supreme court like years ago was like, how do you define porn? He was like, you know, I, I don't know, but you know it when you see it. Right. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that where, you know, when you're pitching too much. Yeah. Um, my, my suggestion is to always just over, over index on giving. And, and yeah. that's, I mean, like, let's say right now you're doing like three gives for every ask. And that's a fine ratio, but it still feels a little off to you. What's the cost of you really giving one more time each day? Like, is it right. really that hard? Like, it's re especially if you if you batch it and you chunk it in the right way, so you get it all done at once. Like, it's really not that hard. I will tell you this: our ratio on TikTok is nine to one right now. So we post awesome. ten times a day, and it's nine gives, and it's one ask each day. And to be to be weird, um, on TikTok, a lot of times our asks get more views than our gives. So weird. Oh, like most of the time, I would say. So in, in the gives, um, I find a lot of people, especially who are, uh, quote, experts, right? They're, they're giving their, their services for higher expertise, for higher copywriters, consultants, coaches, et cetera. And the number one pushback for some strange reason that I get is, well, what if I just gave this all away? Then I am, you know, I'm giving away all my IP. I'm giving away all my best ideas for free on the internet. Uh, why would they hire me if I just gave them all away? How do you, like, what's your kind of broad thought around that? Uh, just give them the what and not the how. So, so let's talk, explain that for a second. Sure. So I, when I, for instance, when I teach speaking, I have a few principles that I'm always going to teach when I teach speaking, like my three rules, right? When I go on stage, I have three rules. Uh, rule number one, this is my house 
right? So it's, I set the rules, but you're my guest. I want to make you feel welcome and good. And I want to take care of you, right? So that's rule number one. Rule number two is what's in it for me radio. So I always want to make sure everything I'm talking about is relevant to you. And I keep reminding you of how this is beneficial for you. Here's the good that happens. If you listen to what I say, here's the bad if you don't. And then rule three is breathe life. Meaning my only criteria for success when I speak is am I going to breathe life into the audience or not? I don't care if I, if they say make all this money or save all this, like, like that stuff's a bonus. But if I breathe life into these people and I inspire them and they leave here better than when they came in, that was a successful speech for me. And I'm happy. It was my only three rules. And if you can follow those three rules, when you, when you give talks or videos, you're going to do much, much better. Right. So the person listening to all that is like, wow, that was really useful. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Yet I didn't tell you how the fuck to give a talk at all. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's, I, that's the what, not the how. The what is usually principles. The how is like the formula. Do you think that a lot of folks struggle with that? And I, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking about a few things. Is, do you think the reason why people struggle with that is they are such technicians that they know the how they haven't had any, they haven't had a chance to actually stop and think about their principles and think about the what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think you are uh, totally right. Uh, most people don't stop and think about why they do what they do. Right. Right. They, they just know how to do it. They don't want to talk about it. Some people even have this superstitious belief. Like if I think too much about how, what I'm doing that I won't be able to do it as well. Right. Which is just nonsense. Um, what I do is, uh, last year, I, so I'm in Puerto Rico right now, um, about 30 minutes from San Juan. And last year I took, I was really inspired by Bill Gates and his think weeks. And I was like, Oh, I got to do one. Yeah. Um, and so I went and got a room at the St. Regis on the other side of the island here in Puerto Rico, just for three days, not a whole week. And I, I brought um, pink sheets with me, Yeah. right? So we've talked about pink sheets before. I know yep. you and I privately, where a pink sheet kind of forces you to reverse engineer your rules and your principles for all the key things. And my goal was to kind of reverse engineer and codify everything I teach in copy closing speaking hmm. and put each one into a pink sheet. And I ended up creating, I think, 26 in-depth pink sheets in three days while I was Amazing. out there. And from sunup till sundown, that's all I did. I, you know, I stayed in the room all day. I got, ate my lunch from room service while I was working there. I literally left to go to the gym and came right back. It was 14 hours a day for three days straight. And it was the coolest thing, Sean, because by like day two, no phone, no internet, no Slack, no email, no text, none of it. I just pink sheet, pink sheet, pink sheet and research that by like pink sheet number nine or something, I was in such a deep flow that my stories and the quotes and the metaphors and the rules and the names of the principles was just like, it was, it was just coming out of me and it was just so, it was so nice. It felt great. I, and you know, I think I maybe created like five or six pink sheets on day one and then like 10 or 11 on day two so and good. Day three because you just start really getting into it. So if I really recommend people take, take like a weekend and get away from the computer stuff. And just like, there's a book by a guy named Matt church called pink sheets, read it. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll understand the formula. It's free too. Yeah. yeah. It's online. It's free. And, and then reverse engineer and codify what it is that you do. So you can extract all the what and all the principles. And now every time, like every time I need to teach a webinar, I need to go on stage. I need to teach anything. I have just a whole stack of pink sheets. And I'm like, what do I want to teach today? Just pick out a sheet, sheet, look at it for three seconds. And now I have amazing content that I can share in a way that's easily uh, digestible for people and, and sticks to their rib, right? It's something they'll remember. That's so good. Um, you know, I always, I always say, well, how can people find you? But if that's crazy, because wherever you look, there's just capital. I will capital. find them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you, had, if you had a choice of where people go, how they kind of get into your universe, how they can connect more with you, how they can learn more from you, where, where, do you, where would you like to direct them? Totally. So uh, 
Instagram is the best place to get at me. It's just at Jason Capital. And I will tell you the Sharon. So it's uh, June 1st, 2020 that we are recording this today. Um, on Friday this week, we are starting a new test with our Instagram where we have created Jason Capital Espanol. And wow. uh, we are going to basically everything I've done in English, we're going to just go crazy with subtitles and do everything in Spanish and see what I can do for uh, all the Spanish speaking people out there. So if you are Spanish and you want to follow me, go to Jason Capital Espanol. And if you're English, you know where to find me. That's so good. Hey man, listen, I, over the years, you've been not only a friend, but an awesome mentor to me. I've learned so much uh, just watching what you do, being on your stage, speaking to your audience. And uh, if anyone's have ever not experienced that live kind of electrifying event, they should at some point, but I can't thank you enough for being on, for dropping so many gems. And especially uh, this was, it was not just a, I think people got a ton of one arrows today, which I thought is, uh, was amazing. So thank you so much for being on today. Dude, thank you so much for having me and for teaching me and being a mentor me as much as if anything that I've done for you. You've, you've helped me, remember listening, Sharon, you've helped me so much with understanding the financial part of business and financial literacy and deal making and negotiation, all this stuff that copy closing speaking doesn't entail that I should have known, but did it. And I, I don't know how much money you've saved me in all the years, just with all your help. So thank you too. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com dot com.